All right, if we can, we can restart. So, I've got six pages to go through. Um, a thing on homosexuality, and then another on IVF. If we have a half hour on each of those, with maybe a, a five-minute pause in between, um, then we should be done before three. So, page six on the notes I gave you this morning um, is on homosexuality. Um, there's also, by the way, on those notes, um, later sections on abortion. Uh, sorry, that is still on this morning's page. Um, on abortion um, and sex change operations. Um, but I'm not going to go through those, but I'd recommend you read them. So, homosexuality. Um, so I've started there with a quote from the Catechism. Homosexuality refers to relations between men or between women who experience an exclusive or predominant sexual attraction towards persons of the same sex. Homosexual acts are intrinsically disordered. They are contrary to the natural law. They close the sexual act to the gift of life. They do not proceed from genuine affective and sexual complementarity. Under no circumstances can they be approved. And note with the they is referring to there, the acts can in no way be approved. It's not saying the person can in no way be approved. So next quoted uh, from a Vatican instruction distinguishing on that same thing between acts and inclinations. The catechism distinguishes between homosexual acts and homosexual tendencies. Regarding acts, it teaches that sacred scripture presents them as grave sins. The tradition has constantly considered them as intrinsically immoral and contrary to the natural law. Consequently, under no circumstances can they be approved. Deep-seated homosexual tendencies, which are found in a number of men and women, are also objectively disordered, and for those same people often constitute a trial. Such persons must be accepted with respect and sensitivity. Every sign of unjust discrimination in their regard should be avoided. They are called to fulfil God's will in their lives and to unite the sacrifice of the Lord's cross to the difficulties they may encounter. So, um, I'm obviously spelling out basic stuff here, but um, obviously it wasn't basic in your Anglican past, um, just to be making sure it is clear in the Catholic context. Now, I've next noted that the cause of the homosexual orientation uh, is not known. So the Catechism says its psychological genesis remains largely unexplained. And uh, I've put four possibilities. Uh, a, genetic. So this in some circles is very fashionable. That Well, God made me this way. You can't complain. You can't say I can't be like this. Noted, um, just one footnote among others, um, that there is actually no scientific evidence that it's genetic. Um, but even if it was genetic, and I think it's important theologically, there are many other human abnormalities that have genetic causes. So if the church is saying it is a disorder, it's a sign of there being something not right, 
Well, there are many things not right in humans that have a genetic cause. So that's not a sign that God wanted you to have that physical disability. No, it's permissive, in his permissive will, but it doesn't mean he's made you that way uh, in a way that means you should act that way. B, uh, another possible cause, exposure to hormonal imbalances while still in the womb. So there have been studies in suggesting this, and that's quite possible. C, um, more controversially, uh, psychological upbringing. Um, that failure to effectively identify with members of your own gender means you feel attracted to your own gender. So in your upbringing, you failed to bond properly with your father, and so you have an attraction to older men that gets a sexual dimension kicked into it. Or conversely, you failed to bond with other boys as you were growing up, and so your attraction to other boys seeking that identity gets a sexual dimension. Or mother and girls. Yes, obviously mm -hmm. reverse for girls, yes. Um, <coughs> or D, what I think is probably the case, is a combination of all of those, that all of these are factors. And to note another brief thing, the question of curing homosexuality, which obviously is very controversial. I've said that the fact that the homosexual inclination is transitory in some people and mixed in others supports the notion that it is best seen as a psychological condition that can be treated. However, many psychological conditions cannot be cured, even if they can be partially cured. So success rates for this um, are variously estimated, as I've said, they're between 30 and 60%. Um, and as I've quoted um, an article there, the effectiveness rate is similar to those for other addictive or chronic disorders, such as depression, substance abuse, or smoking. Uh, and obviously part of the reason to be conscious of this is to not have too much of a, a blanket thing that, well, there is a cure for this, and if you come to me with a homosexual inclination, then you just need therapy and everything will be okay. Well, actually, there isn't any other condition where therapy will automatically make it all okay. That It might help, might totally cure you, but it might also help you, but it's still going to be a cross you're going to have to carry. And then I'm sure we've all heard of the group Courage. Page seven. Um, maybe spelling out what you may not be aware of in Catholic Church documents. The question of just and unjust discrimination. So as I've already quoted the Catechism, it teaches that every sign of unjust discrimination in their regard should be avoided. Now... Our secular world would say every sign of discrimination should be avoided. Well, the church is saying, no, unjust discrimination, mm -hmm. implying that there is a way of justly distinguishing and discriminating. So, just discrimination. So, um, Robert Sokolowski, one of the American, great American philosophers, 
um, pointing out that discrimination is actually a good thing. It's to recognize a distinction, to perceive a difference in or between things. And if you fail to perceive a difference when there is a difference, well, that's not something praiseworthy. It's a failure to acknowledge reality. And it's being judgmental. So we're told, yes. Well, in a good way. Oh, yes, sorry, yes. No, you're obviously right, <laughs> yes. That there is a sense in which we should be judging, yes. <clears throat> so the church gives the following as just discrimination. So a homosexual person should not be allowed to adopt children. And why the church says because a homosexual couple lack the complementarity between the two of them that a child has a right to in its upbringing. Um, so that it's an injustice to the child. And obviously this is a point bitterly rejected by the mm. homosexual culture. But rejected at a point when so much of our other sociological evidence is pointing out the damage being done to children by a lack of fathers. Um, the guy to read that, a Catholic guy, is a sociologist from Texas named Mark Regneris. Mm -hmm. You want to Mark Regneris? He's, right. he's really good. Okay. Sociologist, UT, Texas, one of the Texas University, no, Technical University of Texas, the big one. And his the Catholic food price on this issue, issue of same sex adoption. Mm -hmm. comes, well, he has an orthodox bias anyway, but mm -hmm. the evidence does suggest that. <laughs> and it's now that's lots of surrogacy coming in mm -hmm. way. and a surrogate is when you are deliberately planning that a child will lack that complementarity image so all through history there have been parents the children that have had one of their parents die and they've not then had the complementarity of upbringing but that wasn't planned which is the difference between adoption by a homosexual couple or a surrogacy mm -hmm where you are planning to bring a child up, lacking that complementarity in upbringing. Could a case be made for uh, some, uh, you know, someone who's in a homosexual uh, relationship and is the father of a child already for retaining that Well, the father who is in a homosexual union shouldn't be remaining in the homosexual union. But if he is, um, the child has a right to both of his parents looking after him, his mother and his father. The mother, say, isn't on the scene. Um, yeah, you'd have a conflict of duties there. Um, But well, I suppose I'd want to, to start by pointing out the difference between that scenario and bringing the child into the world, planning that that would be the case. Yeah. Um, Which is why you're doing IVF later. Yeah, yeah. So, but, but IVF is, you know, a lot of these same issues, the right of the child. Similarly, the church says... Um, a homosexual person should be restricted from certain aspects of youth work uh, to avoid, it says, a corrupting influence on the, the ideology and role model given to young people. More controversially and more recently, 
um, controversial in clerical circles, because as you can imagine, it doesn't matter to a lot of people. But a homosexual person should not be admitted to priestly formation if their condition is deep-seated. So the document that came out on this distinguished between people who have a transitory or not deeply-seated inclination and those who have a deep-seated inclination. It says, if the transitory condition has not been overcome for three years, so if you have overcome it three years ago, that's a sign that it was not so deep-rooted in you that, it, that you were able to refrain from that behaviour for three years. Document says, because their condition lacks affected maturity and uh, will, will gravely hinder them from relating correctly to men and women, one must in no way overlook the negative consequences that can derive from ordination of persons with deep-seated homosexual tendencies. So obviously what the document is saying is that it's not just that you have this inclination and everything else is okay with you, but actually having that inclination, there's going to be something wrong in your affectivity that is going to affect how you relate to all your parishioners. I'm sure we all know the cases of wildly camp priests that their parishioners just don't relate to because there's a whole little clerical culture they've got going on that they're very happy with, but it's not something that the rest of their congregation identify with or vice versa. So this document came out um, when I was doing further study in Rome, so very recently, um, and is an attempt to break that, in some areas, um, gay clerical culture that has come about in some places. So CDF then? Uh, what does it say in the footnotes? Um, no, Congregation for Catholic Education. Oh. And the way these things work, the CDF would have read and vetted and probably altered, but it was issued by the Congregation for Catholic Education um, because they would have control over the seminaries. Uh, similarly, a homosexual person or person with a homosexual inclination should not be given recognition in same-sex marriage and should not be given legal recognition in what are called de facto unions. And the reason for that is that marriage serves the common good of society. Marriage benefits society, therefore society gives something back to marriage, to a married couple, by that legal recognition, certain tax codes and whatever. A homosexual couple don't benefit the common good in the same way. So to give them the same benefits that a married couple has, establishes an asymmetrical set of rights. So that the rights you gain as a married couple, you gain because your union is ordered to the procreation of children and therefore benefits society. You're not being given that just for your sake. You're being given it because it helps society. Whereas a homosexual couple doesn't have that. They will get the tax. Yeah, and the way it's set up, exactly, yes. And so our situation in this country is not that at all. And of course, a homosexual couple would be likely to say, well, we're going to have a child together. Even though it's not actually together with the introduction of some third or fourth person. Um, 
So you get this crazy thing of via adoption or via surrogacy, children are brought into that relationship. But that's just, as we'll look at with IVF, just another problem for the child. And of course, that's caused the Catholic adoption agencies. There are, there are no adults. They're still operating and uh, according to this case. In this, uh, in this, I think the last one in this country uh, lost that legal battle, yes. mm. and tragically, a number of them didn't even fight it, um, and then others just closed under the Catholic name, yes. and became the same thing with a different name. Um, is what I've said there. All self-evident, or what you've heard before, or may well be in terms of some of the church documents you've not heard. Well, just, just two things. Um, the first is the restriction from certain aspects of youth work. I, I can see exactly what it means in that. Um, I mean, if, for example, in school, you you have uh, you you have a teacher who is openly gay and is living seemingly quite contentedly in a relationship with a, you know, another man or another woman. Um, I can see why that can be judged contrary, because the, the, the person is living in a way, mm -hmm. in the same way that, that of course, if, if a heterosexual couple were married and they uh, were living together and they were not married, that would be un unacceptable. But I think we must be careful not to suggest in saying this, thus laying ourselves open to the, the accusation of unprovable prejudice, that homosexuals are more predatory by nature on young people than would be a heterosexual. Because I think that the evidence would, would not support that mm. and would in fact be <coughs> um, uh, offensive in a way that Catholics are not offensive would that be fair? Well, it would be contrary to the natural law evidence, is what you're saying. In other words, there is a, there is a, a case to be made that, that being gay does not make you more likely to be a pedophile. Um, I don't think there's statistical evidence one way or the other. Right. Um, okay. so, so the church hasn't grounded that position on that okay, point. That's, that's, that's fine. But um, I think the contrary is also far from proven. Right. Okay. That the, the, the homosexual condition does seem to have attached to it uh, promiscuity, instability. I think that there are well, uh, um, but, but that is a but that is a modern phenomenon of both homosexuality and heterosexuality. I mean, one of the things that frightens me is the way in which, in a sense, the, the gay promiscuity of 30, 40 years ago. Mm -hmm has now become endemic among, uh, among young heterosexuals. Yeah. And indeed, when it talks about deep-seated tendencies, my observation now among many young people is that they're quite happy, well, it's not an issue, it's who you, who you fancy. So, yeah. become, that, so bisexuality has become increasingly an accepted norm Mm -hmm. uh, among young people, in, which is very puzzling to those of us of the previous generation. Yes, though a 
bisexual behaviour isn't the same thing as a homosexual inclination. So actually the way I've phrased this whole discussion is actually focusing up on the, the category where there is an inclination to that homosexual activity. And primary inclination, which means derived from hetero or homo by the definition of primarily. But what, what, I'm, what I'm saying is that what worries me is, is that there are many young people nowadays who would say, you know, the inclination one way or the other is, is, is not there. It's, it's who I happen to fall in love with. Yeah. Uh, or fall for, or fancy, or. What, what, yeah. I can't remember the scale, but what scale, where, where are you on the scale between north and ten in terms mm-hmm. of um, who you are and your sexuality? Mm-hmm. You know, some people tend to be more homosexual than others in the middle and further on. Some of the great American um, psychiatrists and, and psychologists have gone down this line. You know, there it's is. Continu- a, it's a continuum. Yeah. yeah. I think the core of the church's position is recognizing that it's a disorder. So even if it's a continuum, that it's a continuum of a disorder. So if depression is a disorder, well, there actually there's a whole spectrum of that, as well as those that are bipolar and have a kind of very deep-seated type of depression. Um, but to be attracted to that behavior is to be attracted to something that is disordered. To have that attraction is going to therefore manifest some kind of disorder in you. It could be a psychological disorder. It could just be the disorder of actually enjoying a sexual act that has no thought of procreation attached to it at all. That it's purely pleasure-focused for a a one-night You're quite right. I mean, young kids these days, you know, they don't think in terms about I'm specifically heterosexual, I'm specifically homosexual in the main. They they just go with the times and they're happy to do that at the moment. You know, kids have talked openly about it. Some schools would think you better teach that because that's the dogma, secular Well, I don't know whether the LGBT is the secular dogma. The last question, sorry, about uh, Holy Communion, right? And I mean, obviously, publicly, you know, either civil union and or gay marriage. Mm-hmm. How should the, the parish priest or any other priest for that matter? <coughs> um, well, I've the, the very the, the very scenario we've described of the difficulty of having a conversation with somebody having that conversation, them wanting to present themselves anyway and everything, with divorce and remarriage, I've had with a, a couple in that is... Yeah, um, and I'm sure I'm not the only one. But actually, in terms of someone being in a civil partnership, let alone a gay marriage, it's such a new civil law that actually the church documents haven't said anything new explicitly addressing it. But I think if you see the continuity of all... The things that have been said, um, and I think in our context, in this country, same-sex marriage has been phrased to presume a genital expression, so that it excludes things like a brother and sister, or two sisters, rather two sisters, <laughs> it does exclude a brother and sister, uh, two sisters, um, that therefore somebody is 
making a public declaration that they are in a state of right, and living an immoral life. They've publicly said that, whether they are privately or not. And their public declaration therefore excludes them from communion. In civil law, two brothers can marry? No. No. And it was deliberately set up to exclude that. Because there were people saying, well, for inheritance reasons, actually, if we married, that would... Um, but no, it's only... Um, it presumes genital, genital expression. Um, and two brothers, I'm not sure. There were some other categories that would also have been excluded. It's with it, the, the forbidden degrees. I mean, it's, 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 it's as straightforward as that, is it? Apply. I mean, but what is so curious about that legislation is that, yes, well, I think you're absolutely right. I think that there is a, a modern presumption that there will be um, you know, sexual activity, genital, whatever, with, within the relationship. Um, and that's why that there is a curious uh, suggestion, you know, that somehow that incest applies, so that the so that the forbidden degrees are there, but at the same time, uh, adultery is not a grounds for divorce within a, a so-called gay marriage, but it is within heterosexual marriage. And people who continue to use the expression equal marriage, the legislation is not equal. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I again just just come back to to, to, to the thing that you know Catholic teaching is not it's very important. Well, it's not it's not discriminatory mm-hmm. because it says positively that um, that um, marriage is the proper place for you know, for the sexual act for for procreating mm-hmm. and uh, and therefore it is not being discriminatory against people of the same sex. Unless you argue that it is between heterosexual couples living in uh, you know, unmarried relationships them, themselves. And I, I think that the focus on that is, seems to be too important. Can I yes. draw so, this to a conclusion? With the, the did you say that civil partnerships uh, were What I said is actually civil partnerships and same sex marriages are such a new phenomenon in civil law that actually church law hasn't yet formally commented on them. Um, but I think they're clear enough as a grounds for buying someone from community because they've publicly expressed something at variance with um, our faith on something quite serious. So it's the equivalent of being divorced and remarried, I think. And to admit somebody in a same-sex marriage to communion, but to bar somebody who's divorced and remarried would be a, a weird imbalance. But if two men are, say, living together but without any sort of legal bond, then uh, you, know, you don't necessarily, you may, you may know by hearsay that they're homosexual, but you don't necessarily presume that they're not just a couple of, like a couple of roommates. And I, think, and I think you need to distinguish between hearsay and supposition. Mm-hmm and them going around saying, this is my partner, that I think you would then be in a different territory. Right, because we use the P word. Yeah, so how do they refer to each other? How do they present themselves? And of course, 100 years ago, it would have been quite normal. You wouldn't have presumed exactly. something improper if two spinsters were living together. Or, um, is it not possible to, to, for, 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 for,
with each other as partners is to be seven. What would they mean by the word partner? Business partner. Yeah, but... No, but they wouldn't but refer to each other. I think oh, to, to, say, to say my friend, the, 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 my, my the, friend the, would be one thing. A couple in parish, mm. priest I know, who have undergone a civil ceremony, but who say that they live together uh, as, a, as a celibate couple. <laughs> then I think that the civil ceremony has expressed something contrary to what they're saying. What they're saying. Yeah. Or they're, maybe and they would claim that all they want is the legal rights. Yeah. But they don't have a right to the legal rights. So it's back to the church's point about an asymmetric um, rights. That you gain those rights in a heterosexual marriage because you, that institution is ordered to the common good by being ordered to the upbringing of children. A homosexual couple or two friends that aren't living a genital relationship um, don't have a right to benefit from those inheritance things. Though they can express certain things in how they phrase laws, um, Will. wills, and so forth. Yeah. Um, and sort of straw man, isn't it? Or, I'm sorry, red herring. Red herring. Because at the end of the day, they can give the same rights in a, in a will. Not rights, but they can they can they can they can grant here what they can is visitation rights. But well, they are subject to taxation. They, they, yeah. Under certain rules, where if you were in a civil partnership, you aren't. That was one of the reasons why it was legislated that way. But I think that is a matter of justice that you're not married, and to be given the same rights to each other's property as if you were married, isn't just. That marriage gains that because of how it serves the common. That is, that is a big trend, that is a, a leak, if you will, because you're saying that that's within the natural, the yes. purview of yes. natural law is the idea of rights of property and those sorts of things, because this isn't getting into the sacramentality of it at all. No, no. This is purely saying two men who would like to have equal, who would like to have a certain disposition of property and taxation and visiting and all these sorts of things is within the natural law purview. Mm-hmm. Nothing to do with children or sex or sacraments. So the church is, is therefore ruling on a matter of natural law. Pure natural but law. It's it's the instrument in in the law isn't designed isn't designed to express it is designed to express something that is contrary to, to church teaching. If there were a recognition of a, if the civil partnership law had been uh, had been put in a way that allowed for sisters or other people to form these partnerships ah. without expressing yeah. anything contrary to the teaching in the very act of entering into that partnership. I think the isn't the Pax, the French one well, different, isn't it? The French part, the French civil partnership law allows uh, uh, two relatives, you know, sisters to do this. There's no presumption. In other words, in in, in that respect, there's a difference between the French law which expressly allows some... So you can't make that assumption <coughs> so in French law. You can in this because they expressly decided not to do this here in order mm-hmm. to for civil partnerships and, and now well, marriage to be, yeah, yeah. Uh, to be to be on, on, on just marriage students. terms. I'm just in yeah. this country. Yes, in this country, yes. But not the French but law is different, isn't it? French is different. Though I would suspect the French law therefore is actually an attack on marriage and it is reducing the benefit marriage gains. But they are both available, aren't they? They are, both, they are, they are, yeah. they are alternatively available, aren't they? 
But, but what I mean is marriage should have a higher protection in law than other types of... Yeah, yeah but the nature of that protection will vary generally, won't it, between countries? It so will, example, but not every expression in the different countries is going to be just to marriage. No, 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 but, 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 the, but, the, but the degree of the difference between yeah. will vary anyway between different countries. Yes, so, for example, this country is very bad in recognising marriage in tax law, yeah. whereas, for example, in places like... Germany, Switzerland, places like that kind, you, you have a very different, it makes an enormous amount of difference mm -hmm. uh, in terms of tax. Can I move on, just keeping an eye on the clock here? So, page eight, I've just put a little thing about the calls to chastity. So, what is the expectation for um, somebody with a homosexual inclination? <coughs> um, the Catechism says homosexual persons are called to chastity by the virtues of self-mastery that teach them their inner freedom, at times by the support of disinterested friendship, by prayer and sacramental grace, they can and should gradually and resolutely approach Christian perfection. So they're capable of Christian perfection. What does that involve? Actually, as it would in anybody, self-mastery. Um, self-mastery over <coughs> how you relate to your affections, um, but seeking, as I've said there, um, avoiding occasions of sin. Occasions of sin might be a certain individual that you have a strong attraction to and you know actually whenever I meet with that person we end up mm. doing whatever. Cohabiting would seem to be a pretty obvious occasion of sin. Um, okay, let's take a very brief uh, pause there.